You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fabulous job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. And as always, on Thursday morning around 8 o'clock, we love visiting with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Chris Blair, how are you doing this morning, bud? Doing great. Hope you guys are doing well. We've got a number of things to uh, pick your brain about, including some LSU baseballs. Hopefully the Tigers can get back on track this weekend versus Arkansas. But I wanted to start with uh, some NFL draft news and notes, and I wanted to get your perspective and a guy you certainly love calling his games and some of his electrifying runs, Darius Geis, were you a little surprised and discouraged that uh, he fell like he did in the NFL draft? Yeah, I mean, I was discouraged for him because I felt like uh, it was kind of uh, an unfair characterization all of last week and into the draft um, and surprised completely. Uh, you know, I, You know, there was all these, statements being made and tweets being put out by irresponsible journalists who, you know, love to toss things out there, you know, just kind of toss it and then walk away from it without any explanation or any background. And as we got closer to the draft, then, you know, a few things started to come around. People were whispering. And then, of course, after the pick was made, uh, then it was like, okay, well, this is what it was. And, you know, I, you know unfortunately, I had to laugh, not because of, of Darius, because I felt like, again, uh, he had gotten the short end of that deal. Uh, but in a world full of headlines in the NFL, um, you know, for, for them to be worried about uh, his smiling too much and being a jokester and liking to play video games, I mean, my goodness, I could Google search NFL problems off the field, and that certainly pales in comparison. Uh, but to be honest with you, you know, sometimes if, it's not a right fit. It's not a right fit. Um, you know, I think it's a little childish and immature on the part of some of the people in front offices in the NFL to say, you know, he wasn't a fit here because they didn't think he was serious or he was uh, being a jokester or he likes to play Fortnite or whatever stupid excuses they want to make. I think it says more about NFL front offices and the tone deafness that some of them have uh, more so than, you know, judging whether or not a guy has a chance in the NFL. Now, I say all that just simply because I think it was much ado about nothing. Um, but I always felt like wherever Darius, you know, landed, he'll have a good chance to, to have a good career if he stays healthy. And, you know, uh, as they say all the time, it's, it's, there's, the road is littered with guys who went high on the draft and got a big bonus and got a big contract, and uh, now who knows what they're doing. Uh, there are guys who also be able to, get on a team and have a successful career and then in that second contract you know truly make life-changing money uh and of course all these guys are making life-changing money uh the day they sign but you know i think he'll he'll do fine and, and i think the redskins are happy to have him so you know i think uh, as it all turned out i think it worked out for the best but you know, the nfl is pretty good at creating nonsensical stuff like playing a super bowl in london so uh, i guess we shouldn't be surprised yeah, that's a great point against irresponsible journalists. And when it starts turning south like that, it's almost like an organization or an individual like Darius Geis, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do or how much you try to get out in front of the story. It just seems like it just continues to pile on you. Yeah, I think it's a good lesson learned in this day and age where 
anybody can hide behind a Twitter account. And even if you put your name on it, you can still throw something out there with unsubstantiated claims. And, you know, you kind of get a pass. It's all about who gets the information out first. You know, I tell people all the time, especially when I speak to young students who want to be in sports journalism, you know, it's really not about being the first to report it. It's, it's usually about who's right. Uh, and I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to be the first to put a story out when if you're starting to hear rumors that there's issues with a player, whoever that player may be, um, I just maybe call me old school. I'd much rather know for a fact what those issues are before I just toss it out there. But, you know, I think from a standpoint of young student athletes coming up, this is the world we live in. I don't think we'll ever put it back inside the box. And, you know, it's it's probably best to, to keep a low profile during those things. And, you know, it's hard to when you're being attacked and your character's being attacked, but Again, I think maybe sometimes it's best to just let it go, stay quiet about it, because I think all you do is fuel the flames when you try to go back and try to, you know, counteract those things because they're not using facts. And frankly, even if you do, it doesn't matter. Number of LSU players drafted, I believe, uh, seven in all. One that raised a few eyebrows was the fact that uh, Danny Etling goes to the Patriots in the seventh round. You've been a strong uh, proponent of his throughout his career, his uh last this past season what did you think of the, the Patriots picking him up in the late in the draft well I found it interesting that you know it's also a team that has a pretty good quarterback that you know I guess if you look back when Tom Brady was drafted maybe or you know when he came into the league I don't, I don't think there were a lot of people thought that he'd turn into what he's turned into which is arguably the best quarterback ever to play the game so I found it interesting that the Patriots uh, one of the franchises uh, in the entire NFL all something um, or at least feel like there's something in his toolkit that they can utilize um, you know maybe down the road so I was happy for Danny because I think he took a lot of uh, unfair abuse um, you know again fans are very passionate I understand that and I understand where the expectations are um, but there were some good things he did here and good luck to him you know I'm not sure for all these guys uh, drafted or even undrafted free agents I mean you got to go into the mini camps you got to go into Ball camp, and you got to you know prove your worth, and, and hopefully stick with a team. Um, but good for him. I think that's a nice pat on the back, and whatever the future holds, uh, he can always say, "Hey, you tell his kids and his grandkids I was drafted by the New England Patriots." Go Google the Patriots. Tough stretch uh, right now for LSU baseball. They have lost six of their last eight games. A tough series against Ole Miss when they dropped two or three. But boy, you look at the schedule. Certainly, some opportunities coming up a bunch of home games. First of all, Chris, uh, the last stretch of games, and especially this series against the Rebels, what did you make of it? Well, they just the bullpen again collapsed on them, um, you know, which is so funny considering that, you know, it wasn't but two, three, four weeks ago that maybe the strength of LSU and some of the wins they picked up along the way were coming from uh, bullpen performances. Um, you know, game one was another Zach Hess game on the mound to start that, that wasn't an awful start. Um, you know, it was a tie ball game there through five and a half. Um, but the bullpen, again, as I said, just completely melted down. And you don't see 11 runs uh, in an inning. Certainly against LSU, you had to go back to 1999 to find a game where they gave up double-digit runs in an inning. Um, just one of those games. I thought it was important that Mikhail Hilliard come back after he struggled against South Carolina really for the first time in league play the week before. Um, pitched at Jim along with Nick Bush to get a 5-2 win. And, you know, you're playing the number four, number five, and some polls number three team in the country at their place. Um, 
even up the series with a chance to win the series on Sunday is um, not bad. I don't know that it's all that surprising, uh, you know, when you take a look at it. But I will say this, the classic game on Saturday, you come up short one run, give up a, a three-run lead late in the ball game. They have another rally uh, late in the game. Um, you come up short. Uh, I think the South Carolina series certainly hurt a lot more than the loss to Ole Miss from an RPI standpoint. Uh, and now you've got Arkansas coming in, one of the top teams with an RPI somewhere number six, number five, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, you know, with 70 home runs, a big power lineup, uh, a starting pitcher uh, in Knights that may be one of the best, not only in the SEC, but in the country. But you are playing the Razorbacks at home. And if there's one thing about this series, really since Palmineri's been in, you can go back even farther when, when Skip was uh, in charge. Uh, you know, they've had Arkansas's number. It's something mentally about the Razorbacks. Um, they just have a hard time uh, beating LSU. You can point to the Rally Possum game. You can point to that series in Baton Rouge in 2016. And then last year, Arkansas looked like they were going to roll up LSU. And, again, they completely fell apart. Uh, and LSU able to pick up a series win on the road in Fayetteville. Um, I, I don't think Coach Maneri's mixed words at all. I mean, he's told this team. It's, it's do or die now, guys. I mean, back against the wall, you got three conference series left. It's still kind of jumbled up near the top of the SEC West. Everybody's uh, a game or two out uh, from the top. And as he said earlier this week, in two weeks, it could be totally different. I mean, those teams could all change places. And in three weeks, who knows what can happen. Uh, but it's got to start this weekend, and they've got to protect their home field. And I think they're excited to play after being back-to-back road trips to Columbia and Oxford. I'll be, I'll be really surprised if they don't come out with a little more pep in their step uh, at first pitch 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts on two things from that Ole Miss series, the first being the umpires in Game 3. We got a lot of text about that this week, the fact that you know, Nick Coombs was called, uh, that, that strike three call that a lot of people disagreed with, and obviously Coach Maneri disagreed with it as well. I want to get your thoughts on that. And also, you touched on it a little bit, but what does it say about Mikel Hiller to, you know, he struggled the previous week and then to go out there on Saturday and probably have his best performance of the season. I, I mean, you gotta you got to be feeling really good about him and his future at LSU. Yeah, I'll start with Mikel Hilliard because I think he's checked all the boxes now. Uh, did a great job in relief to start the season, was a reliable arm out of the bullpen, and you can kind of see the, the the mentality that this young man has. He just doesn't get flustered by anything um, uh, and, and looks like a veteran. Uh, Coach Maneri likens him to a, to a younger Jared Poche or a right-handed Jared Poche, and I, and I think he's right. He's not got overpowering stuff. His curveball is wicked, uh, but he's got just enough to keep you off balance with the fastball that he can be successful, especially when the curve is working. Uh, and for him to come back after, you know, getting touched up for eight runs against South Carolina, I mean, that's a big blow uh, for a freshman who's had a lot of success early. And then you come back and your team hands you the baseball and says, hey, you know, we got shelled last night 14-3. to We need your big guy to come up with a win tonight against one of the best hitting teams in the country. And, and he delivers. So, for me, the, the boxes have all been checked now in his freshman campaign, and there's no doubt. Uh, knock on wood, he stays healthy. He's going to have a sensational career at LSU. Secondly, the, the third umpire in, in the series behind the plate, it was, you know, uh, Coach Maneri unfortunately got ejected at the end of the game. Uh, the only reason Mike Bianco didn't get ejected was 
he didn't rise out of the bullpen, but uh, he was in the ear of the home plate umpire uh, the entire game, as were both coaches. Uh, and it was just one of the more inconsistent strike zones. Um, you know, typically, and we talk about it on the radio during the broadcast, typically early in the game, it's hard for any pitcher to get their curve across, uh, especially if it comes in high and drops over the plate at the belt. It, it's hard to get sometimes. And then it'll start to loosen up. And then you'll, by the fourth fifth inning, you kind of realize, okay, this is where the corners are going to be given, and this is where the strike zone is top to bottom. Uh, it just wasn't, didn't come to fruition on, on Saturday. I mean, it was, it was all over the place. Uh, the outside corner was there, then it wasn't there. Uh, pitches at the letters were there, then it wasn't there. Pitches at the knees were there, then they weren't there. And again, I think both coaches were frustrated uh, in the fact that you know none of the hitters and even the pitchers to that uh, effect couldn't get a gauge on where they could pick their spots and where they needed to swing the bat. Uh, as Coach McHenry said, um, you know you get a game like that, two great programs, two rivalries. Uh, the biggest crowd at Swayze Field ever. Uh, it's a it's a one run ball game, two run ball game going into the top of the ninth, and it's a one run ball game. And the umpire is going to make a call like that it is, you know, it, it's kind of silly. Now I say all that to say this: uh, both Zach Watson and Nick Coombs, I think, if they had to do it over, probably no. Uh, on the road in the SEC, you're trying to rally down in the scoreboard. If it's and, and everybody knew by the time he got to the ninth inning that the strike zone was all over the map. You probably need to at least try to fight those pitches off, even if it is a little low or a little bit outside. And, and to Zach's credit, uh, in his strikeout, after, in that at-bat, he did go after a pitch that was probably a little up and a little out. Uh, but we had seen that been called for strikes. He just kind of got a check swing in there to foul it away just to protect the plate. Uh, wasn't able to do so in that final pitch, but... It was uh, it was the more most inconsistent I've seen behind the plate all season in the SEC. Now I don't want to jump on umpires because again they've got a job to do just like the players do, and they have a responsibility as well. But uh, without question, it was one of the more inconsistent strike zones all afternoon long. Chris, let's end with this. A lot of great people working down there at LSU, and certainly one of my favorites, and a lot of fan favorite and media favorite, being uh, Kent Lowe, of course, in the sports information department. I mean, you could throw around the word legend. I know he went on, underwent surgery earlier this week. Just what he has meant to LSU and, of course, the sports information department and uh, prayers and thoughts are out with him. But I, I know you've certainly had a relationship with him, and he is certainly uh, one of those guys that once you meet him, you remember him. I'm, I'm really lucky that where I work, uh, I get to work with both uh, Kent Lowe and, and Bill Frankes, who handles media relations for baseball. And those guys have you know, got three decades representing those LSU sports and LSU as a whole. And, uh, yeah, it is good news. We got good news yesterday afternoon that everything went well with Kent. We've all been thinking about him and, and looking forward to him being even healthier and feeling even better when he gets back out on his feet here in, in two to three weeks. So we got great news that Kent did well, and uh, he'll continue and to, to do what he does as professionally as he does. And, you know, one of the interesting things about traveling with basketball and with baseball, uh, got to give Bill Frank his credit. Uh, everybody wants to come talk to these guys. I mean, they're absolutely uh, icons in the sport information world. Uh, every broadcaster knows them, all the TV guys, all the radio guys. Uh, a lot of the SIDs who are probably half their age or younger now uh, and come and, and during the games ask their advice on certain things, and they all want to come visit with them. And 
so again, we're happy that Kent's uh, progressing well and had a great uh, operation yesterday. Everything went uh, with flying colors. And then also Saturday night, I want to remind people, it's going to be Bill Franquez Day at the ballpark. They're honoring Bill with his 30 years of representing LSU baseball. Uh, does the PA work. He's the voice of Alec Box Stadium. Uh, and then works with me on the road with the radio broadcast. And there's not a better professional group uh, that handles uh, sports information better than Kent Lowe and Bill Frank is. So looking forward to honoring Bill uh, coming up Saturday night, although he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, we're just going to make him do it anyway. Fantastic. Nice gesture. We'll be listening this weekend. Thank you, Chris Blair. All right, guys. Y'all have a great weekend. The voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair. Hey, I wanted to go over this. You know, uh, Ed Orgeron is making this uh, Tiger Caravan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they, they only make three stops now. One was in Shreveport. What was that last week? Then they're in Houston. Then they're in New Orleans. So he's there meeting with a, a few of the Houston uh, media people. And usually these things, you try to get a couple questions in there that may generate some kind of good response or a little bit of something that's newsworthy. And then a lot of times he just threw out some softballs. And you're in Houston, so you know the line of questioning will be, it'll involve Texas A&M, correct? Sure. So three questions were asked to Ed Orgeron about Texas A&M football. This was the first one. What's your past history with Jimbo Fisher, and what does the addition bring to the conference? Ed Orgeron, Mm. not much history. That's an awful impression. You do better. Not much history. A little bit better. Another question. Were you surprised that he made the jump from Florida State? Speaking of, of course, Jimbo Fisher. His response. It has nothing to do with me. Go ahead. It has nothing to do with me. (laughs) And finally, has the addition of Texas A&M changed the way you recruit Houston? His response. Not at all. Not at all. Go Tigers. I sound more like Batman yes, than Ed Orgeron. I, that was horrible. Yeah. But anyway, a little bit better than Puff Daddy does a lot better. He does. We should have Puff in here. He though. wanted nothing to do with that line of questions. And why should he? He's over there recruiting. Of course, uh, Houston has been very uh, good to LSU. Yeah, I, I don't. I have no issue with that. Yeah. Why should he just throw you know bouquets and roses towards Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, he's instantly become a rival. Yeah, and this is the guy that they wanted. Yeah, LSU well, wanted. Yes, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, why yeah, what's your he? history with him? Well, he wanted the job. Somehow it fell in my lap, uh-huh. so I should thank him. Yeah. So, let's. I think he's right to not even touch that. And while we're over here, hey, how about Tom Herman? What do you think of him? <laughs> <laughs> Surprised that didn't come next. Yes. 888-993-7762. Let's take a timeout. Top 10 Thursday. Yeah, continue. we got to finish it. All right. Top 10 draft classes of all time, or at least in the last uh, 18 years. Since 2000. Okay. Morning drive back after this. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price, for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. 
He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. If your business depends on technology, then you can depend on NetTech. We offer remote desktop and service management, cloud-based document access, email services, IP phone services, fiber internet, and data security products. With locations in Monroe and in Ruston, our friendly technicians and help desk staff are ready to solve all your IT problems. Let NetTech be your IT department. Visit nettech.net or call 866-668-0001 today. Now let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. You never know what Jake will look at during commercial breaks. Was that Ellen you were watching a minute ago? Well, that was in the part shot. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. Oh. Yeah, no, it was, they had the uh, she had the Waffle House, the guy who saved the people at Waffle House. Uh, she had him on a show, and she surprised him with Dwayne Wade because that was his favorite player. Nice. And I was watching that. Good. So yeah. there's your part and shot. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right, where are we going? You want to write, read a couple texts first? Yeah, uh, Trent says, you know, we were talking about Des Bryant, and, and uh, Trent says, Jerry had Des on the leash. He doesn't work hard. He parties too much, and he's a, he's a baby. He hollered and whined about not getting the football, but when targeted, he wouldn't produce. Des is a big risk for the money he requires. And Richie says, the biggest question with the Bryant situation is how long does it take for him to scream collusion mm. seems like the popular thing to do if you can't get signed all right cue the music it is top 10 thursday we're going through the top 10 draft classes since 2000 you look at the history of the national football league i mentioned that 74 class with the steelers with four hall of famers in that class you look at some of the best though from the saints and a lot of people are now making comparisons to uh, the 1981 class from the saints it featured the number one overall pick heisman trophy winning running back George Rogers, he ran for, uh, a lot of people forget this, over 1,600 yards as a rookie. That class also featured Hall of Fame linebacker Ricky Jackson. So there you go. All right, pretty good. 17-player class back then, though. Not not like the seven. Uh... It's a lot harder to miss back then, right? <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. So I'll run through the list real quick at 10 we have the 2000 jets at nine we have the 2005 cowboys eight we have those 2017 saints likely to jump up if they continue to do well seven the 2016 cowboys six the, the 2002 texans and here we are at number five i've got the 2004 cardinals all right here you've got larry fitzgerald hall of famer undoubtedly a hall of famer could go down I mean, you could have arguments whether or not he's the greatest receiver of all time mm-hmm. Uh, you've also got Carlos Dansby, mm-hmm. Darnell Dockett, Antonio Smith. That was an excellent class. I think Dockett's been to a few Pro Bowls. Yeah. Uh, heck, Smith has been playing forever. Yeah. Dansby, Dansby started, what, over 200 games. Yeah. So, I mean, that class is incredible. Um, at number four, I had, and this might be a little too high, but I, I'll see what y'all think about this, the 2010 Steelers class. Okay. Here you had Antonio Brown, mm. arguably the best receiver today, Marquise Pouncey, mm. Emmanuel Sanders, 
another really good receiver. And Jason Worlds, who had 204 tackles and 25 and a half sacks in his career with the Steelers. That's pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. And I and again, looking at it, I, I might have them a little bit too high, but I think Antonio, the, just the star power of Antonio Brown, kind of made me put it that high. Uh, from our in-depth research, our investigative routine, though, they point out the fourth and fifth rounds didn't produce much in this it did. draft. No. Uh, at number three. The 2006 Saints. Here you had Reggie Bush. Mm-hmm. Just listen to this. Yeah. Reggie Bush, Roman Harper, mm. Jari Evans, Rob Nikovich, who you know didn't really have his career in, with the Saints, but still turned out to be a great pick. Zach Streif uh. <laughs> and Marcus Colston. All right, what makes this class has got to be Streif and Colston. What they what they put in their draft picks for those two guys, and to see them have those long and productive careers. Mm-hmm. Also, 2009 Super Bowl, you know, th- this was the core group of that. Well, yeah. Evans, four-time All-Pro guard. Uh-huh. <laughs> very That's a pretty good. good class. It's very good. I think when people talk about the 2017 class, I think they forget how good that 2006 class yeah. was. But uh, So I, I had that at number two, and then I ended up switching it with my new number two, which was the 2012 Seahawks. And the reason why is because of Russell Wilson. The steal of the draft in the third round, he comes in, and now you've got an offense to go with that defense. And by the way, you helped out that defense a lot when you got Bobby Wagner and Bruce Irvin in that draft. Everyone laughed at them when they took Bruce Irvin. Everybody was like, wait, he's not on our – he's not even top 30. What are you talking about? Why are you getting Bruce Irvin? Turns out to be a really good player for them. And they had J.R. Sweezy who started – he started 49 games in his career with the Seahawks. Okay, so, yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I went back and forth, but I just think because the Seahawks have had more success with them, with those guys, you know, they won a Super Bowl, should have won another one against the Patriots. But uh, I think that's why I ended up having that number two. At number one. Number one, I've got the 2004 Chargers. And I think this surprises a lot of people until you start going in depth and you look at the careers. It's and the numbers, how man. long they've had. You know. it, it's the numbers. Uh, you know, however you want to split it up. You know, Eli or Philip Rivers, they they were both successful. You know, it, it was a great pick either way. Then you go with Sean Phillips, a guy who's had 532 career tackles, 81 and a half sacks, seven interceptions. Come on. Then you had Nick Hardwick, who started. 136 games on the offensive line in his career. Six of the players they drafted in this draft played 100 games. And five went. Five of these players went to the Pro Bowl, and including a guy like Michael Thomas, who is who really had his, his, his best seasons with Atlanta. But still, I mean, you look at this draft class, man, it's, it's pretty incredible. Hmm. Good stuff. That was fun. All-time uh, draft classes, we, we mentioned the Steelers in 74. How about this one, 1965, the Chicago Bears. Uh, three notable picks, some guy named Dick Butkus in the first round, another first-round pick, Gail Sayers, and then a wide receiver by the name of Dick Gordon went in the seventh round. don't really remember Dick Gordon, but he's supposedly an all-pro wide receiver. Chicago, in fact, hasn't had many of those. In fact, when Gordon was named all-pro, they had a long drought, and then the last Bears receiver to be selected to do a Pro Bowl 
former ULM wide receiver Marty Booker in 2002. Mm, so a wide gap there. Awesome. That was a good practice there. It was good. A little history lesson. A little history lesson. Not too bad. Not too shabby. So ultimately the question will be, where will this Saints draft class of 2017 ultimately be ranked? We're yeah. off to a great start. We'll revisit in five years, and maybe, <laughs> it, hopefully it's number one overall. Let's take a timeout coming up next, an interview you don't want to miss on Sports Talk 97 The newest lawn equipment pro center in the area is your new Cub Cadet Superstore, Yard Power. Yard Power in Monroe is your source for the full line of Cub Cadet mowers. In fact, they're the only dealer in Northeast Louisiana. And Yard Power is loaded with Cub Cadets. Over 100 mowers on the ground ready to roll. All backed by a full service and parts department. So remember YP, Yard Power. On Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, Cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. LOTS, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Local Sports Talk is on the air on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. Welcome back to the morning drive. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. Certainly looking forward to a big weekend of college baseball as ULM continues to make that push, the ultimate goal to make the conference postseason tournament, something they have not been in in a number of years. A lot of different storylines with this Warhawks squad. Even though they're just in the first year under head coach Michael Federico, they have certainly formed a major bond. And one of those storylines, of course, involving one of the pitchers on the team, Cole Hendricks, and him losing his mother before the season started. And uh, Cole Hendricks's father, Shane Hendricks, joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. How are you doing this morning, Shane? I'm doing fine, Aaron. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. we we got a number of things to discuss with you. And uh, first of all, we're telling the story, of course, of your wife of 25 years and, of course, the impact that she made on this baseball team, your family, and uh, the Northeast Louisiana committee, uh, community. Let's start, Shane, just uh, with your wife and how much she enjoyed 
uh, going out and, and watching ULM baseball games and, of course, your son being a part of the Warhawk program? Oh, yes. Uh, she is an alumni of, of ULM, of course, and so she always loved the school. And then when Cole, that was his only choice where he wanted to go. And she was ecstatic when he chose that. And um, it was just a special bond that, that they had together, for going, you know, going to the same school. And, of course, our middle son goes there also. And uh, it's just been a great experience, you know. It's, it's not always about the, the wins and losses, you know, of course, you know. Going into Cole's uh, senior year, the family was certainly fired up, but uh, you had a, an incident uh, where uh, Tessa got sick. Walk us through the scenario and how it played out and when you knew there was a problem. Uh, well, I was I was currently working overseas at the time, and she was telling me she was having back pains, and she was going to various doctors, and they were running tests, and nobody could find anything. And one of the doctors said, well, let's just do a colonoscopy and see if we see anything so when i got home that's where we scheduled it and <clears throat> when we went to try to do it they were unable to to complete one and uh that's when we were sent to the hospital and they discovered that she had stage four colon cancer uh it was definitely a shock like i said she was only 44 and uh come later and you know to find out the doctors think that she had it for seven to ten years and we never had a had a clue and she had a you know, we had our youngest son, and she had a couple of surgeries doing all that, and it was never detected. You know, it's just mm-hmm. in talking to doctors now, you know, it's it, it doesn't hurt to get checked. You know, no matter how young you are, because it's, it's just it's so common now. It's younger people are getting it, and they never know unless you're checked for it. You continue to tell uh, Tessa's story, and we did a story on KNOE earlier this week. You can check it out on the website. Uh, this is all unfolding, and of course, Cole still is a member of the ULM baseball team. And uh, how did that, that that program, and of course, Michael Federico handle this situation? Oh, uh, the the day after we found out, the the next morning, Coach Fed was the first one there. Uh, he come to see Tessa. Of course, she was sleeping, and I haven't even met him at that time. And he was just wonderful. He just you could just tell he's a genuine fella. You know, he was so sincere. He offered everything he had. And uh, it just meant a lot to me as a father because he told me, you know, straight up, he said, don't worry about Cole. He said, I got him. He said, I will take care of him. And he was a man of his word. You know, he just, he took care of him. You know, anything Cole needed, he he gave it to him. You know, if he needed, he wanted to go see his mom. It was never a question. You know, he was a, it was just a family bond. Uh, I just couldn't ask more. And later on in talking to Coach Fed, I just told him, you know, it was by no accident that, that he was sent here, you know, just strictly for this case, you know, baseball aside. Uh, he was he was the man for the job because I couldn't ask for anybody better. Devastating news, of course, for your family. Uh, how did your wife handle this situation with you and the family? She never, she never wavered. She kept a smile on her face and she said, she said, I'm in a win-win situation. She said, either I'm going to be cancer or I'm going home to be with the Lord. She said, so don't be sad. She said, of course, I want to stay here with my family and watch my boys grow. She said, but I'm, I'm, in a, I'm a winner either way. She said, I'm, I'm going to be fine. And uh, she never she never got down. She never got depressed. You know, she just kept fighting to the bitter end. She never gave up. She passed away February 2nd. Of course, during these times, you lean on family members, you lean on friends. 
And in Cole's situation, he, led, he leaned a lot on his teammates. What did it say about that program and, of course, that team for what they did by coming to the funeral? Oh, it was amazing. Um, just, just you know, when Coach Fed, when he found out that she had passed, you know, he, he let me know. He said, we'll be at the funeral. And, of course, I was thinking that him and a few of his coaches were coming. But him to show up in the bus with the whole team and just the, the way that they represented the school and not just the school themselves, you could just tell the demeanor of the team had changed. They were just representing young men and the lasting impression that they left on Cole, myself, and especially my youngest son, because he sat there and watched every player and coach that walked in the funeral home hug Cole and just, you know, embrace him. And that's a, that's a lasting impression that, you know, he will have forever. He still talks about it to this day. It was just a special moment. You had to be there to really appreciate it. The school and the program certainly wanted to do their part to bring uh, awareness to colon cancer and, of course, the legacy of Tessa Hendricks. When they came to you and said, we want to have an awareness game, what was your reaction? Oh, I was kind of blown away, to be honest with you. It was just unexpected, but I said, absolutely. You know, anything to push the, you know, the colon awareness, and it was just, you know, they just went over and beyond just the, the little detail things that they've done was just amazing. Uh, they thought of every little detail to try to make it as special as they could. Uh, I, I, I couldn't uh, ask for any any better staff. You know, his grad assistant, uh, Michael Gammon, was just amazing. Uh, he, just, he just took the ball and ran with it. And every little detail, he wanted to make sure that we were 100% fine with how they were approaching it. And, uh, of course, you know, everything he'd come up with, I was perfectly fine with. And then, as fate would have it, you know they're playing Texas State, but you have no, you know, ideas of what uh, their head coach has been through also. When you learned about his medical condition or what he's gone through in the past, was it a little eerie to you? Oh, it was just, we actually showed up at the park that day, and, and, and Michael come up to me and said, you're not going to believe this. He said, the coach shows up last night. He sees the blue ribbon we got painted on the field, and he's like, what's going on? And He explains it to him, and that's when he reveals, he says, man, I'm a three-year survivor of it, and just do you mind if I talk to the family? And, of course, Michael introduced us that evening, and we talked for an hour. And it was just – it was a real special moment because he knows what I've been through. I know what he's been through. And just the similarities of the whole situation, and we just told him we'll continue praying that, you know, he keeps – fully recovered and he just keeps living a wonderful life but it was just it was just I told the coach I said you know this is just God working once again I said because we were supposed to do this the weekend of April 21st I said but you know God knew that you wasn't going to be here then so we scheduled it this weekend so you could be here and sharing the moment so it was just once again it was just an amazing part of the story. Shane I know that first game was tough going out to the ballpark without Tessa but now do you find comfort when you return to Warhawk Field? Oh, I do. It's it's peace now. Um, I just know that she's smiling down, and, you know, she wants us to enjoy every last minute knowing that, you know, Cole hasn't many games left. Uh, but just we have so many. They're family there, the, the family and friends that we've made for the four years, you know, good or bad with the, with the game situation. That's kind of irrelevant sometimes. But just the, the embracing that we have from family out there is just amazing. It's just, there's times that we're cherishing because we know that we'll never get them back. 
I know part of your journey now will be sharing Tessa's story. Is there anything you want to tell listeners out there in terms of colon awareness, colon cancer awareness? Oh, yes. If You know, check and see if you have any history at all. I don't care how far down it is, you know. It doesn't hurt to get checked. Uh, I mean, I've already had all my kids checked. And just to share a small part of that, my youngest son, when he was two or three, uh, he was having complications. And come to find out, he had a few polyps that we had to have removed. And now, you know, that I know that, I know that it was related. It was passed through Tesla. So, you know, our whole family now is staying checked. You know, if you have any complications, no matter how minor, please, you know, inquire about it. You know, don't let it go on because it could, it can be something that could be treated if it's if it's called quick enough. Um, I just can't express, you know, the age, you know, used to be 50 years old before they screened for it. But I had doctors tell me that they've had kids at 18, 20 years old that it's common they're catching it in now. So don't wait too late. Shane, thanks for sharing uh, Tessa's stories. Our uh, thoughts and prayers certainly continue to go out to your family. Thank you so much, Aaron, and, and all that you've done and helped spread the awareness. Uh, I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Shane Hendricks joining us on the Stuart Shelby Hop. Man, what a touching interview. Absolutely touching. Sean texted in and said, on October 15, 2012, I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. January 28th made four years cancer-free for me. Very powerful and moving interview. God bless you and your family. Let's take a time out. Coming up, more on the morning drive. Our parting shots after the break. The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sidelined, let the progressive all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at MonroeOrtho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price, for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Brad Parker and his wife Leah opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana on July 12, 2010 and has made Iron Cactus into a -a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 Desired Street in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch and dinner and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, you'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations of a delicious dining experience, and they look forward to serving you in a simple cantina setting. What's better than the Iron Cactus fajitas? Eating them with a margarita, obviously. They are so excited to announce they are now serving your favorite margaritas wine and ice-cold beer in downtown Monroe. 
428 Nazir Street, Monroe, and 1304 Highway 80 East in Calhoun. Good morning. Here's latest weather conditions for our area. Decreasing cloudiness with warm temperatures in the forecast for today with a high of 86 degrees. Mostly cloudy skies on tap for tonight with the low 68. Mostly cloudy skies with a 50% chance of rain on tomorrow and a high of 81 degrees. Grab another cup of coffee and keep tuned to the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Welcome back. A couple more minutes for you to hit us up on that hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Richie says, I know Shane and Tessa through church. Shane is a stand-up guy, and Tessa was one of the sweetest people you would have ever met. And Calhoun Clint says, great interview. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, it, it was it was good stuff. Let's get to our parting shots. Oh, yes! 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 We got it, baby! We got it! We got it! Woo! Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. I lost. You lost? Yes. Oh, okay. You can have your $500 million jackpot in Powerball or whatever the heck it was, but I'll take this, baby. Don't say quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted. Intercepted. Oh, the Butler. Butler has it at the one. Malcolm Butler stepping in front of the throw. No way. you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. It's got to be one of the dumbest calls offensively in Super Bowl history. Oh, again, again. That's a twofer. It's time for two parting shots. Listen to that. Listen to that. Sponsored by no one. Oh, baby. Sponsored thing, the advertising thing can change, though. Just hit up Jake or myself, and we can get you on board. Obviously, you're listening. Others are listening, too. I wouldn't say it's the best part of the show, but it is the end of the show. (laughs) Whatever. Um, My parting shot was spoiled by you, but I'll I'll go ahead and uh, plow on. This was... uh, uh, you just had to be more coy. I said, well, what are you listening to during the commercial break? I tell the truth and nothing but the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so James Shaw, you know him by now, the guy who wrestled an assault rifle from a gunman mm-hmm. at a Waffle House. Um, you know, four people died and others were injured. Um, he was, he's been making the media rounds. He was on Ellen, and his favorite player is Dwayne Wade. And so Ellen surprised him with Dwayne Wade on the show and got a little sound clip here from that interview. <laughs> so he just dropped everything. We told him that you loved him and that you he was your <laughs> yeah, favorite. Right. And uh, so he just flew out here for you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad I can be here. You know? Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, when you get an opportunity to sit across from someone, they say, what would you say to him, you know? Um, and I look at you as, I know you don't want to be called a hero, but I look at you as, as an American hero. Thanks. Um, I would sit across from you as I am now, and I would say, obviously, how brave you are. But for me, when I sit down with my kids, and I sit down and talk to them about role models, who I want them to look up to, I tell them to go look up James Saul Jr. Wow. So, <laughs> thanks for being there, man. Thank you. Thanks Thank for being there. Thank you. Pretty cool. How, how good is Ellen? And how great is that job that she has? And obviously, she's incredible doing it. But just getting an opportunity to tell human interest stories and just bringing smiles to so many people's faces and then, of course, being able to give away so much, too. Mm-hmm. How cool of a gig would that be? Yeah. 
kind of like the new Oprah, right? I mean, when I'm home in the afternoons, I get a day off, and I'm just laying around. I mean, I'll flip over there and just watch Ellen, and I will take that over a lot of things that ESPN has on at the same time. <laughs> what does that say? says an awful lot. No, but she does do a good job. Oh, incredible. Yeah, I thought I you were hating saying. on her earlier. No, no. Ellen is – I was just impressed that you knew who Ellen Oh, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You millennials, you know. I didn't, you're thinking outside the box a little bit. That's here. right. Yeah. yeah. It just ain't all about the first take. Whoa. <laughs> do not. Do not group me in the first take crowd. All right. We go there from – we love Charles Barkley. And that's what we love about Chuck is he can basically say anything on TV and get away with it, Correct. So the big thing yesterday, and we talked about it extensively, then you heard it through the course of the day numerous times, his comments, of course, about Draymond Green and how he likes someone, or perhaps himself, to punch Draymond in the face. We thought it was funny. I didn't think that he would actually, you know, he's going to run into Green's, you know, in New Orleans or somewhere else before an NBA game when they actually take a swing at him. But then they go to Draymond, and, of course, we played the soundbite from him saying, well, if that old man, basically, I'm paraphrasing him, if that old man wants a piece of me, he knows where to find me, right? Basically saying, don't talk about it, be about it. Yeah. You actually run into me. Yeah. This isn't like people on Twitter who yes. say stuff and will never actually yes. come in contact with that person. So now, Barkley's backing down. He got scared of Green, Draymond. He issues an apology. Yeah. Do we have the apology? We have the apology. All right. Chuckster, now the floor is yours. Oh, looking so, like George uh, Foreman right now. Nah, come big on. George Foreman, the yeah. big. Okay, come on, man. <laughs> no, let me say this. I apologize to Draymond Green and his mom. Uh, listen. Why I, his mom? Well, because she's she, she also I tweeted. She tweeted. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't know. You, you know, you one of those idiots who tweet, so I don't pay I, attention. Listen, I, you, I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know his mom tweeted. So you know, Ernie, what I said uh, was inappropriate. I would never punch an NBA player. I would never punch an NBA player. I meant what I said. I meant what I said. But uh, I would never punch an NBA player. Draymond Green's a good player. I think he's a nice kid. I wish him nothing but the best. But what I said was inappropriate. And I got guys who are mentors to me. Uh, I grew down here. They called me today and told me what I said was inappropriate. Derek Stafford... Jason Whitlock and Mike Wilbon, they're my mentors and big brothers. Uh, what I said was wrong and inappropriate. I appreciate them reaching out to me. You know what? I, my personal opinion should never come across in a comment I make about a team or a player. It did last night. Draymond is a hell of a player. He's an irritant. He annoys me at times, but he's a hell of a player. But what I said was wrong and I apologize. So you're going to apologize to me as well? Oh, no, you're an idiot. You say, you, you say you're going to punch me all the time. Uh, yeah, because you deserve it. Oh, see. And first of all, Draymond got a chance against me. You don't. <laughs> I, hey, 1996, Charles, I'll be, oh, I'm scared. 2018, Charles, I'm just like Draymond. Shoot your best. Shoot your best right now. Hey. Oh, my God. See, goodness. you know. I love that at the end. Their relationship is the Yeah, best. that's cool. How yeah. that plays out on. TV, it's good mm -hmm. stuff. And that's why we watch it, and that's why that is the best show, the post-game, pre-game show, whatever you want to call it, in the business. I'm just sad that he's taking himself as a true journalist. Like, yeah. say outrageous things. That's yeah. why we like you. Uh, we went through a number of his outrageous quotes through the years. Uh, you know, th he, these are, don't shouldn't offend anybody, or maybe they will. Uh, Ernie Johnson asked him, did you graduate from Auburn? Charles said, no, but I have a couple of people working for me who did. <laughs> 
Uh, Ernie Johnson one time on Reggie Evans being caught grabbing the uh, uh, of a player. Charles says uh, Reggie got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Well, that's what Ernie said. Reggie Evans got ca- caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Charles Barkley responds, Ernie, I don't know where you're getting your cookies at, but the rest of us don't go there for ours. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's funny stuff uh-huh. right there. <laughs> Better than the Big Mac on the rim yeah. joke. Uh, there's always jokes about his, his weight. Uh, Barkley on Turner Sports Office having a betting pool on his weight. This is starting to hurt my feelings. I don't mind skinny people making fun of me. We all do that. But I don't want fat people making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff from Charles. I can't believe, though, he backed down and issued an apology. Yeah. Or maybe it was Turner Sports said, hey, uh, Golden State's going to make a pretty deep run into this thing. Uh, we're going to see him numerous times. Perhaps we need to soften your stance a little bit. Uh, I mean, he's had feuds with players before. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think they would have stepped in. They know they know what they were getting into anytime they give Barkley a microphone. Charles Barkley, after seeing a picture of Sam Cassell on the screen, phone home. Oh, stop. And he later remarks to Kenny, Sam Cassell is a good guy, but he's not going to wind up on the cover of GQ anytime soon. <laughs> now Sam Cassell should have been offended by that, right? Yeah, that is kind of true, though. I mean, have you seen Sam Cassell? How does this uh, quote not get him in trouble? Asked if he's ever been to the governor's office in Montgomery, uh, Barkley said no. They don't like let black people in the governor's mansion in Alabama unless they're clean. Mm. Barkley gets away with that. Yeah, that one's over the line. Mm. All right, a pretty good show today. We certainly appreciate Ben Haddix for joining us, uh, John Parker, Chris Blair, and Shane Hendricks. What do we got going on tomorrow? Uh, We'll be talking some baseball. We've got OCS baseball tonight as well as a few other games. Plus, we'll be previewing the other games that will be played this weekend. And the biggest sporting event, one of the biggest sporting events of the year. say pump the brakes. The Kentucky Derby, the run for the Roses on Saturday. And a highly anticipated, he joins us literally three or four times of the year. He is scheduled to join us tomorrow. Our racing expert, Rick Mocklin, at 745. So you're not going to put money on it, right? Yes. Oh, you are. I'm working on trying to figure out how to put some money on it. I was about to, okay, never mind. How'd you know I spent last night? That's what I was working on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... Last year, I tried numerous ways, and I, I kept getting rejected. Louisiana has some kind of rules or laws. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is. Tell me about it. I, they kept having these advertisements. Oh, get involved. Bet on this race. I was like, heck yeah. Can't. And I Literally kept getting not. rejected. My uh, my cousin keeps a Mississippi address just so he can gamble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But So um, if I figure it out, I, I need to tell you, right? And you're all in? Well, I don't know about the horse racing, but I need to do it for some other stuff. But uh, I was just going to ask if you didn't, who are the people who don't bet on these races but love them? Oh, the pageantry of it. It's remarkable. Uh, and I was talking about pregame shows. That pre-race coverage by the Kentucky Derby is outstanding. Okay. The storylines behind these thoroughbreds and the owners, and Gail Benson is going to be a major talking point in this Kentucky Derby. Cole says, you can bet on horses on your farm in Louisiana. Cole, send us more information. I tried that last year, Cole. <laughs> You need to uh, call us in tomorrow. Or maybe my uh, iPhone 4 wasn't able to pull it <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, Rick Mocklin joins us tomorrow at 745. I'm fired up about it. Jake will be too after he hears from Rick Mocklin. Sure.
I'm shaking my head now. All right. Uh, everybody have a fantastic day. The Edge is coming up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.